uh, you saw the Advent candle being lit for hope. And um, really, this message is all about hope. And let's pray that God would just somehow captivate our thoughts right now, because I know it's not lunchtime yet, but for some of you, sooner it goes past 11, starts heading for noon, you're like a horse heading for the barn. Your stomach is saying, it's getting soon. So we're going to pray that the Lord will help us trying to keep our mind. I'm like that, so that's, I figure it's got to be somebody else in the world like that. Father, thank you for this day that you've given us. We just love you, Lord. We're so glad for the hope that you've given us in your death and your resurrection. But we realized before that they had to come this season. Whether this is the date or not, that doesn't really make a whole lot of difference. We as a church, as believers, are celebrating that Jesus came. So, Father, just have your way with us today and during this season. And somehow, the Lord, give us opportunities to talk about Jesus during the month of December more than ever before, Lord. Uh, that this is the reason for the season. Without being obnoxious, without being condescending, Lord, uh, help us to, to just show that Jesus is alive, Lord, and he's coming again. So, Father, have your way with us today. Just, uh, Lord, help us to just somehow captivate our thoughts right now that we will hear what you want to say to us and, and, and through your word this morning, Holy Spirit. We give this message to you to do what you will in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I've entitled this message this morning, The Final Word. The Final Word. Uh, when we use the word final, in this instance of this me message, I, we are meaning the, the decider, the, the culture, the conclusion, like a period at the end of a sentence. This is the final decision. To put it simply, to put it very clear, we're talking about hope. Hope for everyone who will put their trust and their confidence and their lives in Jesus Christ. Just a couple of scriptures at the beginning, then there's going to be more later. But First Peter 1.21, and on the screen it says, Through Christ you have come to trust in God. Now, because of Jesus Christ, he says, you've come to trust in God. And you've placed your faith and hope in God. Why? Because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. And then the writer in Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Notice it doesn't say because of the nice Christian family you were raised in. Thank the Lord if you have that kind of uh, uh, history and legacy. and, and that, Thank God for that. But it doesn't, it doesn't say that. It says because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith. Not even because of your dad and mom's faith, which you would thank the Lord for, but because of your own personal faith, Christ has brought us into what? This place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. This is the final word for every follower of Jesus Christ. These verses tell us that we can live differently than the rest of the world and we have a different destination of, uh, at, at the end of life than others do. What I want to do for just a moment is to highlight two individuals in the Bible who were mean, ruthless, and despised by other people. And maybe you know some people like that in today's society. The first person is was something like myself, only maybe even worse, but he was a vertically challenged guy. And his name was Zacchaeus. 
And we've all heard about Zacchaeus if you've been around the church very long. And I want to read, <coughs> excuse me, the scriptures concerning Zacchaeus just a, a little bit just to give you a, a kind of idea where he was and what he was and what happened to him. Luke 19, 1, 9. It says, Jesus, and this will be on the screen also. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. He said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. In other words, I'm coming over for some tea or coffee. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people out of this, I will give them back four times as Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this house today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. Well, this Zacchaeus guy, he was the chief tax collector in his area. In other words, he worked for not Revenue Canada, but Revenue Rome. He, he was considered by his own people a collaborator with the enemy because he was a Jew and he was working for Rome who had invaded uh, Israel. He sold out his people. He was considered like a Judas. He was the worst of the worst, hated by his own. But it says he was very rich. He wasn't just rich. He was very rich. Well, well you might say, well, how did he become so rich? I mean, do, do the government people get that much money? Well, they had their own system back then. And I, and I, I just kind of looked up some stuff so I wouldn't just be making things up out of my own mind. Uh, let me read it to you. In Jesus' day, tax collect collectors, just maybe like today sometimes, were despised by people, by the people who paid the taxes. Because in this case, Zacchaeus stole money from those whom he collected taxes from. And this is how he did it. When the Roman government said, uh, Joanna, you owe 20% of your income to Rome. You, you must support Rome. What Zacchaeus would do, and say I was Zacchaeus, I would give her her bill, and instead of 20%, I would charge 40% and keep the 20% for myself. This was a common practice. But Zacchaeus had something else going for him. He wasn't just a regular tax collector. He was like the top supervisor. He was the chief tax collector. In other words, he also cheated the tax collectors. So when they came with their percentage, he would take, he would say, no, no, that's not enough. You, give me, you have to give me more. This is how he became very, very rich. But although he was a wealthy man, he was searching for something. And, and there's a lot of hidden message contained in the text that I gave you. It says that uh, he knew he had heard about Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. So he had heard some things about Jesus. And also, he must have kind of plotted out and found and discovered how what route Jesus was coming because he found a tree that overlooked where Jesus was going to go by because he was so short he couldn't see. He climbed the tree. And uh, so he, he was trying to find out how he could see Jesus. And then, of course, Jesus uh, said, uh, kind of invited himself over for supper. And I don't know, there was no Swiss chalet. There was no 
take out. But I, anyway, Zacchaeus must have prepared a meal for him because that's where Jesus went and, and he ate. But something happened in that, in that encounter that made Zacchaeus realize how sinful he was and he was far from God. And when, we, when, when he uh, uh, said to Jesus, you know what, I'm going to make up for all this stuff I've done. Man, I got tons of money. I'm going to give back four times as much to everybody I've stolen from. And Jesus said, something has happened in this man's heart today. And I'm paraphrasing. Salvation has come to this home today. And he didn't, he didn't, he didn't let his stature or his pride stop him. And the rest is history, of course. The cross has the final word. And what, I'm, what do I mean by that? And you're going to hear me say that a few times. We, we mean, when we say the cross is the final word, we mean that whenever a person, wherever a person is in life, even all of us here today, wherever you are in life, when you and I accept what Jesus did for us on the cross, which was illustrated by the communion this morning, everything changes. No matter how many mistakes have been written about you or down, your sin, even if society doesn't uh, like you or you're not a a name in society, the cross can have the final word in your life. Zacchaeus was one man. Paul was another, wrote most of the, the New Testament. And before he became, was Paul, uh, he was, his name was Saul. I've I, I just got the scriptures under the references. Maybe just bring those up. Um, and I, I just want to read one instant. There's 19 other verses, many other verses, but I just want to read just from Acts 7, 5, uh, 50, 90, and that's not up there either, but I'm just going to read them out. Uh, Paul, uh, uh, he was Saul at this time, but Paul came, uh, was, was, a, a, uh, was a guy who, who was after Christians. And in this particular instance, I'm just going to read the verse in a minute, uh, he was standing there when a man named Stephen, who was like a deacon, a rising young man, leader in the church, and they were, because he was preaching Jesus, Saul wanted them ki killed, so they stoned him. And it said at the very end of these verses in Acts 7, 59, verse 1 of, uh, uh, of chapter 8, it says, Saul, or Paul, was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. And if you read on, you'll find that he was eager to kill the Lord's followers. As a matter of fact, he was so... Uh, eager to do this, that he got uh, legal papers from the, the authorities of his area and telling him that he was allowed to go door to door and find out where the believers were, where the people that were following Jesus, where they were, and drag them out, whoever they were, um, moms and dads and young people, whoever they were, and take them off to prison. And if they must, uh, didn't want to go, then, of course, he was allowed to stone them. He would, could kill them. Matter of fact, he says he was eager to kill them. This guy was a bad dude. He wasn't a nice person at all. He was a, and he wasn't just, uh, you know, uh, a, a criminal, uh, part of the mafia, part of the, the, the organized crime. He was a, uh, a respected young man who was uh, highly educated, very passionate, with a lot of authority to destroy all the followers of Jesus Christ. And he enjoyed doing it because he, would believe, he believed they were wrong. But he had a very dramatic encounter with Jesus Christ. He was on the way to a place called Damascus to arrest some more believers. And God personally encountered him. 
Matter of fact, it tells that he, a bright light shone in his eyes and he fell off his horse and he was blind. And, and I'm not going through all the story, but the Lord, this is only a temporary blindness. Uh, he, he finally realized who it was. He gave his heart to Jesus. And then he began preaching about Jesus Christ. The devil had plans. But the, law, the, the cross had the final word in Paul's life. The cross has the final words. The devil might plan and hate you, but God has the final word. I read last Tuesday, a week ago Tuesday, this earthly Chinese man with shortage of hair, standing before you this morning, was 63 years of age, November 28th. I was born 63 years ago into the family of an 18-year-old and her 20-year-old husband. She was a believer. My mom and dad are still alive. They're still believers. She was a believer. He wasn't. And I didn't, of course, I was just a baby, so I didn't know none of this stuff, uh, but I'm telling you now. But she told me once that he, he went away to work for the summer because they did that. A lot of woods work and different things going on on the island of Newfoundland. And so he went away with some other friends to work for the summer and to make money to support his handsome son and his wife. Okay, I put that in because nobody else will say it. Uh, but he came home at the end of the summer. Not a cent of money. He drank it all and fought his way through the summer. My future looked bleak. I didn't know it. I was just a baby. But today, even before I got out of diapers, my dad accepted Jesus. He stopped his drinking and his fighting. I never knew a dad like that. I never knew a dad who mom would have to put to bed because he was so drunk. I never knew these things before that. But on that the trajectory of the trajectory of the Bushy family changed forever. Why? Because the cross has the final word, not the devil. The cross has the final word. And this morning, in this CFC family, I could mention people all over the church, and some I will mention because they've given permission. We have uh, people throughout the congregation. We have Kenny, who was once a drunk, backslidden from God. Halkwal was impacted in family, but God stepped in. The cross had the final word. Then there's our brother Moody over there, who uh, uh, made a commitment to God in his 20s after a very uh, impactful experience. But even through that, uh, after he had cancer, lost a kidney, lost part of his left leg, two massive heart attacks, blood clots, Doctor said he should have been dead, but he's sitting here this morning because the cross has the final word. Hallelujah. Then there's Arlene. Hallie, man, that's good. Praise the Lord. The Lord is the only one who can get the credit for that kind of stuff. Then there's Arlene from the Philippines. I thank God for our Filipino community who became a Christian when she was 27, living in Kuwait. Came from a very, very poor family, and she somehow through all of this, and I'm just highlighting some things, lost her job, and then God opened up some impossible doors, and, and she came to Canada, and she met uh, a man named Mike. <laughs> but you know, Mike was an atheist who kind of changed his mind a little bit and became more in agnostic, which, which is someone that's not sure if there's a God or not. But he began to search for answers and, and ended up living in Spain and at the age of 21 gave his heart to the Lord. Uh, and now he's married to Arlene who was living in Kuwait. And, and they came to the cross has the final word. Hallelujah. I could mention John 
Aiken's down there. And I, I could mention Joanna was around 16 when she gave her heart to the Lord. And all these people, their, their lives were headed in a different direction, away from God. But the cross has the final word. I could mention others here. There's so many young adults and young people. The cross has the final word. I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are in your, in your journey in this life. Maybe you're far from God. Or maybe you're close to God. And maybe you're saying, you know, I wasn't raised like you people. I wasn't raised in church. Well, yeah, I just told you about what my dad was. But other people. See, because the cross has the final word. Not your history. Not your, 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 your past reputation. Not all the struggles you've been through. Because all of these things don't determine your destination. The cross has the final word. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me quickly give you three benefits. Because I'm starting to get excited and I could get carried away and swish your leg could have to wait. Three benefits that I see of a genuine encounter with Jesus Christ. Number one, for all of these people that I've mentioned, Zacchaeus, Paul, and Moody, and Ken, and John, and Joanna, myself, and my dad, it changes your identity. It changes our identity. John 1 and 12 says, But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. It's not your Canadian citizenship. Thank God that I'm a Canadian citizen. I love being part of Canada. I'm, I'm glad I grew up in this country. But I am so glad that Jesus Christ changed my identity and made me a new man and made me a part of the family of God. The cross has the final word. Secondly, it changes our dependence. I want to read just my, my, my wife's favorite verse. Verses, Romans 8, 38, 39. Some of you already, and there's more to it. I'm just reading a couple of them. It says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be ever able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our dependence has changed because of the cross. Jesus said, I'll never fail you. I'll never abandon you. He said, I'm with you even to the very end of the age. You know, the, the, the journey might not always be what you would like. But Jesus has promised he will be with us. We can depend on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the cross had the final word. And thirdly, it changes our destination. See, without the cross, without Jesus Christ, every single one of us, even if you were raised in church, even if your dad was a pastor, even if he was head over a Christian fellowship, we're all headed for hell, a lost eternity. The Bible tells us that. That might not that might be politically correct today, but that's the truth about every single one of us without Jesus Christ. Jesus changes our destination. John 14, 1 to 3 says, and this was Jesus, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. In other words, don't be worrying. He's talking to his disciples. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. Of course, the older translation says, my father's house, there are many mansions. I like that because I'd like to live in a mansion, especially if there was no dust to clean or anything like that. It'd be perfect. 
But it says here, rooms in this one. If this was not so, he said, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, this is for you today, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Hallelujah. The cross is the final word about your destination. Hallelujah. And no eye, 1 Corinthians 2.9, and I don't have that one on the screen, but it says, no mind has even imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. The cross has the final word. Things looking bleak in your life right now. Things looking really dark. You feel like you've really messed up your life. You feel like maybe your actions or things have put your family in a bad direction. I don't know. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy that says it's all done for you. Because the cross is the final word. Not the enemy. Not what, what you did in the past. You have no hope past this life. Except Jesus today because the cross has the final words. Someone said, one of the greatest gifts that God gives to us is the chance to start again. No failure, no ending, no heartbreak ever gets the last word. Why? Because the cross has the final word. Amen. There's a prayer I've written, and I, I just want us to pray together. Uh, maybe we'll stand together. The team is going to come back in just a moment. Um, and I don't know if you can see that or not. I hope so. We're going to just take a moment just to look at over the words. I, and some of you might say, well, you know, things are going pretty good for me. I, I, I'm not really struggling right now. Would you just, so you can give some courage to someone who might be standing beside you who really needs to pray this, uh, but they're kind of, they want anybody to hear them. Uh, everyone pray together. Would you do that? Would you, pray, would you pray with me? I'll try not to read it too fast. You know, I, I can go really fast. My wife always tells me, slow down so people can keep up. So I'm going to try that, okay? Let, let's pray together. Would you mean that from your heart? Because, see, you can pray this all you want. And if you don't mean it in your heart, it's just a prayer that we did at the end of the service. But if you pray it, saying, and you connect with God in your heart and say, Lord, I, I mean this. I really want this for my life. Then the Holy Spirit will come alongside you and help you be what you pray. Would you pray with me? And then I'll pray, and then Joanna will come with the team. So pray with me. You got to look at the screen. Father in heaven... Life can be a struggle. Some days I don't know how to cope. In the name of your son Jesus, will you forgive and cleanse me from all that I do that goes against your best for my life. I really want to follow you. Teach me how to do that each day. Holy Spirit, help me to follow your word. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that is in the cross. Thank you for your love for me. Amen. Father, thank you that we can have hope today. And it's just not some mystical word that we say and we hope it happens. But Lord, from everything we've read in your word and from all the lives that we've seen change, we understand the cross has the final word. Not the enemy, not the government, not our our family upbringing, whether it was good or dysfunctional, whatever, the cross has the final word. If we'll just connect with you and, and, and ask you into our lives and let you guide us each day, the cross will have the final word. 
It'll change our identity. It'll change who we depend on, and it'll change our destination. Lord, for those people that prayed that prayer, and they really meant it in their hearts, Lord, will you just give them the courage to tell someone today, I, I prayed that prayer, and I meant it. Lord, just have your way with each one today, and give us a season where we talk about Jesus more than ever before. We ask these things in your name. Amen. As the, the song, if, if uh, you want more prayer, uh, feel free to come. I'm going to be at the front here, and I'll pray with anybody that would, would uh, want more prayer. Or if you just want to come and kneel at the altar for a few minutes, uh, we were, uh, then feel free to do that. If you, you're a guest here today and you, and, and you need to leave, then feel free to do that. We're so glad that you took this time to come to worship with us today. And for those who are going to the service tonight, we hope to see you there. God bless each one.